0: All right. If you would like to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, we will get there at some point. But that is a, a, Philippians is a great book. Paul wrote that book while he was in prison. And uh, when we were visiting Rome, my wife and I had an opportunity, I think Rob and Anna were with us, and we, we got to go into the what they believed was Paul's Paul's uh, dungeon. Really, is what it was—a big, big hole in a rock that they let him down through a through a hole and put a. He, there was no way of escape. I guarantee you, you weren't going to get out of there. But uh, when he wrote this book, uh, he was in some pretty pretty dire situation. I mean, you know, we we have jails and we have prisons here, but uh, there it was a little bit different. And to actually view that was pretty interesting. But uh, I want to pray and I'd like for some guys to come pray for me real quick, if you would. Ladies too, I don't care. Just somebody come pray for me. <clears throat> hallelujah And the reason i wanted uh prayer is because i, I i'm going to be sharing some things out of my heart this morning is that all right, yeah, all right. and uh, i've been doing uh we've been going through the book of matthew for like i said three and a half years or so and uh and we will continue to go through it until we get finished but how many of you know when you get through matthew you've pretty much gone through the whole bible because it's just got everything in there, and so there's a lot to cover, and so if you're going to preach through it, you might as well preach through it and cover it all, and so that's what we've tried to do, but uh, the Lord has laid some things on my heart, I've been thinking about it all week, and and, uh, how many of you know that as a pastor, sometimes you have to live out what you preach? And uh, some, that's not very comfortable sometimes. And so I'd like to just share some things with you. So I'm going to share a, a bit of my personal journey with you this morning. And this message really came about uh, last week as as uh, Pastor Eddie's message. From last Sunday, uh, we weren't, weren't supposed to be here. We were supposed to be over in California, and we couldn't get over the mountain, so uh, we just came. My wife and I got to just kind of come and and just kind of hang out and, and listen to the message and all that, which was pretty good. Uh, by the way, Pastor, that was a was a really good word. And uh, <clears throat> so, as I listened to Pastor Eddie's message, I felt the Lord dealing with me. Personally, not at the time so much, but just a little bit later on during the week, the Lord began to start stirring some things in my heart. So, so maybe this word won't even mean anything to you. I'm just saying it might just be all about me. Uh, and, and so if it is, then that's okay, but maybe you can learn from my mistakes. Is that, is that okay? And so, uh, but you know, let me kind of review because I think that God may have something in this for you as well. And so if you're a guest, this is a little bit different way in the way that I preach, but, uh, you know what, it's, it's all going to be based upon God's word anyway. And so there we go. So Eddie spoke last week about the widow that, um, was about ready to lose her home. She was about ready to lose her home, and her sons were going to be sold into slavery. And the prophet Elijah said, well, what can I do for you? And she said uh, that, you know, she was in that dire situation. How many of you know that back in those days, to be a widow was a very difficult thing? Because if you didn't have someone to provide for you, you were pretty much... You were pretty devastated, and it was a difficult time. And so things were not looking very good for her at all. And so Elijah asked her, he said, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? And she said, I, first of all, she said, I have nothing. I have nothing but a jar of oil. And he said, okay, have your sons go out and get vessels throughout the city. Bring all the empty vessels that you can bring in. And so they did that. They were obedient to the word of the Lord. And so when they brought those vessels into the widow's house, then he began to, they, they began to pour from that jar the oil into those vessels. And so as they poured the oil, the oil continued to go and continued to go and continued to go until all the vessels were full. And once all the vessels then were full of oil, he said, where, where's the other vessels? And they said, there are no more. And so the issue was, is that once the vessels were full, the oil stopped. And, and so there's, a, there's, a, there's actually a message in just that part, that once the vessels were full and the vessels weren't pouring out, the oil stopped. And so yet, what happened in that is that they were able to take the oil, sell the oil, pay off their debts, and be provided for, and it was a miraculous provision. And so the message that Eddie had was this, is that it doesn't matter how little you think you have, it doesn't matter how small it is in the eyes of the world, or even in your own eyes, God can take it, and he can expand it, and he can use it. For his glory. And not only for his glory, but also to provide for you if necessary, if that's what the the circumstance is for. So I also spoke a message sometime back that was very similar to that message. And I talked about what is in your hand. And, And the message had to do with Moses. When Moses was out shepherding his sheep. And out in the wilderness, there was a burning bush, and that burning bush was the presence of the Lord. The bush was burning but not being consumed, and Moses uh, had to go check it out and see what it was about, And, and most of you know the story, so I'm kind of just paraphrasing, just kind of going through it a little bit. Moses is there. The bush starts speaking to him and says, take off your shoes for where you are standing is holy ground. And so Moses is being obedient and he wants Moses to go deliver his people out of Egypt. Well, Egypt was the most powerful country in the world at that time. The most powerful army, the most powerful people, and Moses is looking at the burning bush and he goes, "What?" <laughs> he I think he was thinking, "God, you had your opportunity when I was there." And and now I've I've been out here in this wilderness for 40 years. And, you know, I can't even speak well. You know, I've, I've lost all my authority that I had when I was there. And, and now you want me to go deliver them. And he said, uh, I mean, basically what he says is, what have I got, God? And he said, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? <clears throat> what he had was something similar to this. So it was a staff. It was a stick. It was a dead stick. And if many of you know, there's a lot of things that you can use these for, but there's a lot of things that they're pretty limited to do. And so when Moses was saying to God, he said, What is, and, and God said, Moses, what is in your hand? And he said, A staff. It's a stick, it's a dead piece of wood. And God said, throw it on the ground. I'm going to do that. If it turns into a snake, (laughs) it's going to be an interesting day. I can tell you that. But he said, throw it on the ground. And he did. And he threw it on the ground. Just like that. (laughs) So my point is this. God took what he had in his hand not only did he provide a miracle in moses sight at the time but once he saw the snake the bible says he fled from it he turned and he ran and then god said get back over here pick it up (laughs) do you think you picked up by the head or the tail Yeah, he's picked it up and it turned back to a staff. Now here's the thing about all that is that when he picked it up, it was changed. And it was changed into what God wanted it to be and it became the rod of God. That's what it was called. It was called the rod of God. And everywhere Moses went... Everywhere he went, he had the rod of God with him. And it says that he touched the waters and they turned to blood. And he raised up the staff and he did all these things with this rod of God. And later on, when Moses was finished with all the stuff, he gave the rod to Aaron. And Aaron began carrying the rod. And then it wound up in the Ark of the Covenant. And it had budded and sprouted leaves. What I'm saying is that even though we have things that appear to be just a dead stick of wood, God can take it and make it something that can do great things. Amen? That's my point that I wanted to get across to us and and so on. This is where I want to get to. I'm going to ask you a question I'm asking you uh, this question as a plea. I want to say, can I share something with you without you losing respect for me as your pastor? Can I share some of my struggles with you without you saying, what? Because it's happened to me before. I remember sharing once with a person that I trusted. Something I was struggling with. And he lost respect for me. And I thought to myself, okay, you have to be careful who you share it with. So what I'm doing this morning is I'm going to share some things with you about me. I want to be transparent with you. I want to let you know on some of the areas where I'm struggling. I think my mic is... is Greater works than these shall you do, because I go to be with my father. (laughs) Jesus never dealt with electronics. (laughs) So what I'm about to share with you is just it's not that I'm in sin or any of that kind of stuff. It's not that. But I've been struggling lately with my intimacy with the Lord. been struggling lately with my intimacy with the Lord, and I think that I have discovered why. And I've been praying about this. I I shared this with my pastor friends at Pastors Prayer. For those of you that know, I pray every Thursday with with, uh, usually 8, 10, 12 pastors in in the valley, and we pray every Thursday. We pray for you, we pray for the valley, we pray for the lost, we pray for all kinds of things. must not be the battery. I'm just going to go on and we're just going to do it the way it is. So anyway, (laughs) in the name of Jesus, we're going to go forward here. Maybe my struggles will help you if you have similar ones. And that's what I'm hoping for today. I'm hoping that what I'm going to share with you today will help you in your walk with the Lord. Because I hope you understand that I struggle just like you do. Because, you know, as the Bible says, that, that when, when Elijah prayed and he had a nature like us, God shut the heavens up. And then he prayed again and the, and the heavens gave rain. <laughs> this thing is about to drive me crazy. All right. But I'd like to speak in general before I address my personal issues. And here's where I think this will help you and at least bring you to a place. It's possible that m- you may be convicted a little bit. Is that okay? You may be challenged. Because I tell you what, I have, huh, I have, give me this microphone. <laughs> I'm turning this off. All right is this one working now yes. Yes. all right it is yes. good all right so i'm convinced that one of our spiritual power robbing problems in america and other prosperous nations is that a large number of christians are satisfied with their relationship and their service to the Lord. We're satisfied. They're comfortable in their faith and have no intention of changing it. A contentment of being at ease with their salvation. And here's what it comes down to, I think, in a lot of cases, is that we know we have eternal life. We're grateful. We praise God for it. We worship. We come to church. We we pray. We read His Word. And we just are comfortable with that activity. We're just kind of comfortable with that. And I think there's a danger in that. I think there's a danger in the fact that we can just cruise through our Christian walk when there's people all around us that need Jesus. There's people all around us who need healing, who need a touch, who need someone to put their arm around them and pray with them and say God loves you, God cares about you, and God has something for you. And we think, well, maybe I don't have, you know, I don't have the ability to go out like, like Ben does. Ben goes out and, and, and goes up to the, to the beaches at Lake Tahoe and to the, to the casinos and, and preaches on the street corners up there about Jesus. Maybe you don't want to do that. Probably not many of you do. But I can tell you what, God has something else for you. And, and you know what? I'm not comfortable doing that either. But that's what God's called him to do, and he feels comfortable doing and God uses him. Praise God. And, and so what, what it comes down to is that if we are just at a place to where nothing's changing in our hearts and lives, then that just brings us to the place that nothing's changing. And I think the Lord wants us to open up our eyes and our mind and say, God, what's going on here? Now, listen, I, I'm not here to condemn you because I'm talking about my own struggles here a little bit, all right? So, I'm, it, it's bouncing off the wall and hitting me, you know, with, with full force when I'm talking about these words. Our society, our society promotes the idea of the American dream. It promotes the idea of the American dream and, and conditions us conditions us to live comfortable. That's what we think about. You know, we, we go to work, we, we we set aside money for retirement, we we do all these things. Why? Because we want to live comfortably. And it's it's not a sin. I'm not saying it's it's something that we have to just, you know, say, well, you know what? I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> we we retire comfortably. Many of us, you are here and you're retired comfortably, and and that's all right. But I'm just telling you how it provides for us and promotes that in our hearts. But it can rob us of spiritual vitality if we're not careful. It can rob us of uh, when we are at ease in our walk with the Lord, we will lose spiritual strength when we're at ease with that. If we're not careful... We can develop a spectator faith, where we're just looking at the faith from the outside. And you know what? Even those that who do a lot of work for the Lord can even fall to that as well, because their works can be something they're just doing because that's what they do. You with me? All right. It is in the midst of challenges that our faith is made strong. It's in the midst of challenges that our faith is made strong. And listen to this. And peace and rest are a supernatural function of faith. When I'm challenged, when I challenge myself, when I allow myself to be challenged, Rest and peace is something that God will give me as a supernatural function of my faith. And the Lord will bless me in that. I want to ask you a few questions. You're still with me, right? You don't have to raise your hand, but if you want to, you can. Have you ever been in a situation where you wondered if you were going to make it out of life? What? it was dying, too. But it's got plenty of battery power. I don't know what's going on. All right. I'll, I'll say that again. Have you ever been in a situation where you wondered if you were going to make it out alive? Do you remember how you felt when it was over? You felt pretty alive, didn't you? Well, I tell you what, when you're in the midst of something like that, you're not going to be taking a nap, right? You, you, are, you are alive, and you are, you are on track with all the stuff that's going on, and, and you're going, man, this is intense stuff. No, no, no! Red mic. Ooh, a fiery mic. All right. <laughs> Boy, you talk about distractions. I remember in Alaska, I was out snow machining, and if you've you've been out in in the snow and it's cold, it was about zero. I'm dressed warm having a great time. Me and a friend of mine are both out, and um, I think I knew the Lord at that time. I'm not totally sure, but I do believe at that time I had came to the Lord. We were out in the wilderness, man, and it was dark. In the wintertime in Alaska, it's almost always dark, but we are out there. I'm on this lake, and I'm driving around, and all of a sudden, uh, I look behind me, and my trail is dark. And when your trail is dark, it means it's wet. And that's not a good thing when you're on a snow machine on a lake. And so I panicked a little bit and kind of got on it too much. And then I actually found out that my, my machine hit something and fell through the ice. So I'm in a lake, and I'm wet. And my snow machine is up on this tree that fell out into the lake. And it was a tree that had fallen out. And my snow machine ran and set up on it and then fell through the ice and was just kind of bouncing on this tree. And I'm wondering, okay. I'm sitting on it and I'm still wet and I'm going, okay, how am I going to get out of this? And it was a pretty scary situation. And I realized that I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision if I was going to sit there or I was going to try to climb out where I was, try to walk home or whatever, which I would probably freeze because I was soaking. Or I was going to have to get in the water and see if I could get my snow machine out. So I decided to jump off into the water. And it was only about that deep. But it was uh, still very cold. And so I, I got my snow machine squared away and was able to, long story short, I was able to get out of the water. But on the way home, my snow machine shorted out and all my lights went out. And so I didn't have any way of seeing where I was going. And my friend, who didn't ride as fast as I did, because I was going home. That was my plan. I was going to home. I was going home fast. So I'm heading down this, this pipeline road. And my lights go out, and so Al, who's following me, trying to keep up with me, never saw me and went right past me, like a bullet. And I go, oh, that's not good. He just left me out here in the dark, wet and cold, and no way to get home because I have no headlight. And so I'm trying to catch him going down this road without a headlight and I don't you they you don't have horns on them or anything you know and I, he has no idea I'm coming finally I was pulled up beside of him and and it was pretty exciting when he looks over and he sees me because he's trying to catch me he thinks I'm way ahead of him and so anyway long story short I was able to get home but I remember that was pretty exciting to jump off into that water not knowing if I was going to get out of there or not and so it, you know I think that many times Uh, when we've run into those kind of situations, we realize how alive we really are. And what I want to ask you is this. Can you remember how you felt when I was older? Have you ever, good question, have you ever, or when was the last time you stepped out in faith? When was the last time you stepped out in faith? Not to do something you figured you could accomplish, But to do something you know you couldn't do without the Lord's provision. When's the last time you did something where you knew that if God didn't show up, it wasn't going to get done? You didn't have the power to do it on your own, and you had to trust in God by faith. See, the Bible says the just will live by faith. We will live by faith. We will have to step out in faith. We see it all through the Old Testament. They, they stepped into the water, then it split. Amen. When the soles of their feet touched the water, that's when the water split in the Jordan. When, when they did this, then that happened. When they stepped out in faith, God met them and, and things miraculously happened in their lives. Philippians 4. Everybody was there because I asked you to be there. I'm going to start out in verse 10 because I want to I lay a little foundation of what Paul is saying here. Now, keep in mind that he's in prison. He's in this dungeon. In verse 10, he said, "'But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity.'" Not that I speak in regard to need. Now, remember, he's in prison. But I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, to be, uh, and to abound and to suffer need. And then he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he's talking about the context is no matter what comes my way, I can survive because God will give me the strength to overcome. And so when we see this, Paul is saying, look, I am going to have peace and joy in the midst of the trial. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to, I'm going to get through this. Because I have learned to be content in all things. This contentment that he's talking about is not just to sit on the sidelines and watch his Christianity go by. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that he can be content in the midst of the storm, just like Jesus was asleep in the boat. He wasn't worried about the storm. He was just content. And then if we back up to to chapter 3. Verse 10, Paul says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself of having, have, to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is this. He's saying, look, I'm not content to stay where I am spiritually. I'm not content just to sit here and be a spectator. I'm not, I'm not content to just be comfortable with my Christianity. I'm not content just to sit here and let all this other stuff pass me by and to be a spectator. Not content with that. There's a prize, and there is a place. There's a place that God has called me to, and that's what I want to go to. That's what I want to do. And then at the last of his life, he said this I've been poured out like a drink offering. I've ran the race. I've fought the fight. I've done the stuff. Now I'm ready to go be with the Lord. I'm ready. If that's what God wants, I'm ready. But he fought the fight. See, dynamic Christianity is risky business. Dynamic, life-giving, powerful Christianity is risky business. Paul knew it. And we need to be aware that it is. And God never wanted us to be on cruise control. Never wanted us to be on cruise control. And many of us are. We've said it. we just relaxed and sit back and let it happen. I don't know if this is the truth or not, but I did hear... He must have been from Kentucky or something. I don't know. But when the cruise control came out on the motorhomes, the first cruise control, he set his cruise control got up and went to make himself a sandwich. (laughs) Didn't work out so well. I don't know if this is the truth or not, but I heard it is the truth. And so I can, uh, either way, (laughs) it was a dumb thing to do. It don't surprise me in a lot of ways, but it does surprise me, too. So it's one of those things. You know, we must be careful not to become stagnant in our walk with the Lord. We can become stagnant. Water that just sits, oil that just sits, becomes putrid and stagnant. Remember this. The oil stopped when the vessels were full. If there was more room in the vessels, the oil would have continued on. If the vessels were pouring out, then the oil would continue to be pouring in. And God wants us to know that if we are just taking what we've got and sitting on it, it's going to become stagnant and it's not going to be very useful. But if we are pouring out that which God gives us, he will refill us with fresh oil fresh anointing, fresh power, fresh stuff and it will be life-giving and it'll be good. We we hear the story of the man who had a bumper crop, not going to read it cuz take too much time, but Luke chapter 12 says that what am I going to do? I have all of this. I have all of this grain and all this stuff that I have. So what am I going to do with it?" He said, "I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to fill these up and I'm going to take my ease." And Jesus said, "You fool, tonight your life will be required of you. Because he wants us to use what he has blessed us with. Right? He wants us to use what he's blessed us with. Take it and, and bless others with it. We have to be careful that we don't become stagnant. So let me explain my heart, and I'll share with you, and then I'll ask you a few questions, and then I'll, I'll leave you alone. I love you guys. And I care about what God is going to do with you. And I want to challenge you because I, I, we live in challenging days. We live in difficult times. I have been trying to figure out, Lord, why am I having this trouble with intimacy with you? What, what's going on? What, what's my issue? I pray more than I've ever prayed. I, I, I fast more than I've ever fasted. I'm in the Word. I'm studying. I'm going to Bible college to continue to understand more about the Word. And yet, I'm still struggling with this intimacy thing with God. And I think I figured out what it is. For two years, we've been on the edge, man. We've been, we've been trying to get this place put together. And without God, it would have never happened. It would have never happened. It was a miracle from the start. And to let you guys know, some of you guests or some of you people that may not know, when, when we made an offer on this building, uh, it had to be God, because we didn't have any money. We had a little bit, but God, but God. We had, we had three people, four people, who do not go to our church. Give us two hundred and sixty thousand dollars to help us buy the church two hundred and twenty of that was just a straight out gift given to us to use for a down payment to be able to buy the building that's miraculous people and it's miraculous to see the provision that continued to come and continue to come and continue to come and and pastor Nidia, uh, not only were we doing ministry and all that time but we were doing all these things that had to be done to get this thing put together and it was a it was a daunting task and for 2 years we were fighting that battle and then it came to an end we're here praise god for that And I thought about, man, what is going to be great when we get this new building and we get all in and everything's cool, and it is. But I found myself at ease. I found myself at ease, not ministry-wise. There's always plenty of ministry going on and plenty of things to do. But what happened is I found myself at a place where I wanted to just back off and take a little time off, which is okay. It's okay. But I tell you what, God's called me. He's called me to live on the edge. And I'm not going to be happy unless I am. That's just what I figured out. And when I'm not on the edge, the edge is the cutting edge. That's where the stuff is happening. And if I'm not on the edge, I'm not content. And that's exactly what I believe that the Lord has revealed to me. He's saying, you're not trusting me. When you pray and you just you just you're not trusting me. And I and I realize that that this is what God has spoken to me. Amen. I gotta live on the edge. And I don't know exactly what all that means all the time. But I'm gonna ask you a few questions. You don't have to raise your hand, but you can if you want. Do you ever feel that you have nothing to give that the Lord can use? Do you ever feel that way? You ever feel like that you just don't have anything that God can use? Do you ever feel like you are spiritually disconnected? You ever feel that way? Yeah. Do you ever even wonder sometimes if you're even saved? I mean, really. I mean, have you ever come to that place where you say, man, you see all these things going on, and you God, I, I feel so, am I even saved, Lord? <laughs> do you hear others' testimony and hear about all the things they do for the Lord and all the things that he's doing in their life and say, God, what's my problem? Do you ever have those kind of things? Nobody does. Yeah, we do. I'll go back with you on that and say, do you ever feel like you have nothing to give to the Lord He can use? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. Do you ever feel like you're spiritually unconnected? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. Do you ever even wonder if you're saved? Sometimes I have. This is confession time. This is open time. See, I, I'm, I'm not some spiritual giant. You probably already knew that, but <laughs> <laughs> sometimes people see the pastor in different ways, and, and I'm just telling you, I'm just a man just like all the rest of you. And I struggle with all the same things that you struggle with in different ways, maybe, maybe, because we all struggle differently than the other person next to us. But the fact is, I struggle with these kind of questions sometimes. And I struggle with these things. And I listen to people's testimonies at conferences and stuff, and I go, but people hear our testimony, our building, and they say, well, God, why not us? And God's done great things here. And so we have to also realize what God is doing in our lives and, and be blessed with all that kind of stuff. Amen? Am I, am I hitting your heart here at all? Is this, is this really resonating with you guys? <clears throat> the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The, the life that he's talking about is, is, a, is a life dedicated unto God. Life comes through faith. And so when he's talking about the just shall live by faith, it is going to be the life of God in us that is only going to come from faith. And so when we think about the things that are going on around us, it is God that is going to give us the life that we want, even though he says he that, that loves this life will lose it. He that lives, he that loses his life here will find it. And that comes from faith. That comes from faith. So God has not called me to, he, He's called me to live on the edge. I'm, I'm speaking for me now. He's called me to live on the edge. He's not called me to comfort. He's called me to war. He's not called me to be comfortable. He's called me to war. He's not called me to armchair Christianity, sit back and just let things happen. But he's called me to be armed and proficient with the weapons of warfare and the armor of God. He's called me to be armed and to be proficient in this battle that we're fighting. So I don't know what God wants to do. But I know he wants to use you. The, the old saying, which is true in many, many churches, 10% of the people do 90% of the work in the church. That's not true in this church. It's more like 30% and 70% because we have a wide volunteer range of people who really serve the Lord with all their hearts and many, many people But there's still others that God wants to shake you loose a little bit. And if God wants to shake you loose, be willing to be shaken. Be willing to be challenged. Let God touch your heart. Let him minister to you. Is that all right? I'm going to do something different today. We're not going to have the worship team come up. I'd like for you just to bow your heads, if you would, please. Just wait upon the Lord. I suspect if God spoke to me these things that he may have spoke to some of you as well. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've never received him. You've never repented. You've never asked God to forgive you. You've never made a public declaration that you believe in Christ. Maybe you've never... Made that conscious decision to follow him. I want to give you opportunity to do that this morning.